time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. You know, it's hard to believe that we're now uh, over 211 episodes into this Thrivology podcast. I started out just to have a chance to talk about how to thrive in life, just giving some strategies and, and helps in how we move in the direction of more thriving. And today, maybe a little more chatty, maybe even a little more vulnerable than usual, because I was struck over the weekend, a new commercial came out. You may be familiar with this commercial, but it starts out by asking the question, what if during your life, the, for the rest of your life, you could only choose one car? What if you could only have one car for the entire rest of your life? How would you treat that car? I bet you'd baby it. I bet you'd take care of it. I bet you would make sure that when it was time for maintenance, you got maintenance for it. And when uh, it was time to be safe with it, I bet you'd be safe with it. Now, right now, I'm not even talking about that commercial. But, you know, if I only had one car for the rest of my life, I'd probably be a little more careful about what I put in it, how I treat it, what I expose it to what dangers I allow to get near it, how much I even push it, right? That doesn't mean I wouldn't enjoy that car. It doesn't mean that I would leave my car in the garage because let's face it, a car in the garage does a lot of wear and tear on that car. You know, cars are built to be driven, to be used, not so much to be abused, but to be used. I probably would be a little more cautious about how I fueled that car to make sure that it had the oil it needed, the fluids it needed, the, the gas that it needed. Probably be a little more careful about who I let around that car. Probably be a little more careful about what parts of town I would put that car in, leave that car parked. In other words, I would baby that car. But I would also want to enjoy that car. If that was my car I had for the rest of my life, I would certainly want to enjoy that car. Well, the twist in that commercial is that there's only one you. There's only one body you have. You only have this one body to get you between here and when you die. And the point was well taken, that we only have that so much time. Now, I will say I was a little surprised about what the commercial was really about, what they were trying to sell. It was a, a kind of a disconnect for me, and you can go find that out for yourself because for me, the point of that commercial and it's one of the few commercials I've seen that made me think about life, was the fact that we only have this one. We only have this one chance. We only have this one life. I've told this story before, but if you haven't heard about it, it's now been a few years back, and I got sick. I got very sick. In fact, I got sick enough that the doctors thought that I would be disabled and eventually that what I had was likely to kill me. It came about because I was working on a project, and I was very stressed about the project. It was a project that we were putting on video. I was doing the recording for it, and uh, we spent a weekend, a long weekend of recording. Now, I've gotten more used to being on, uh, on video and on audio uh, since then, but at that point, it was a pretty stressful moment. I was still trying to get my head around the fact that you know, we could take our time and, and, and get it made right. And so every time we started the recording, I was anxious. And if you're familiar with production, uh, TV production or, or film production, they put you in very awkward uh, positions, body positions, in order to make it look right on film. It's kind of odd. You sit too close to people and 
I'm a big guy, 6'4", and so I had to pull my legs in weird angles and sit for long times in very uncomfortable positions. After that weekend was over, on Monday I woke up and I was pretty tired. Now, over that weekend, one of my kids had been a little sick with the virus, and you know, I figured I just had the virus. And so I, I had some aches and pains in my body, and I also thought, well, you know, it's because of that weekend shoot. I'm just tired from the weekend. And I kind of put things off for a while, but I wasn't getting better. My back was hurting, my, my legs were aching, my hips were hurting, and slowly it began to move up and down my back and down my legs. And after a while, I was getting weaker and weaker, and my wife said, I think you need to go see the doctor. Well, you know, being who I am, I put that off. You may be familiar with that in your own, that strategy in your life that, you know, you just don't want to go to the doctor. But I finally relented, finally went to the doctor. They did all the tests and everything came back normal. So they sent me home telling me I probably had a virus. Another week and a half, two weeks passed and I was getting sicker and I was feeling worse. And so I went back to the doctor and the doctor said, yeah, I can't figure it out, but we've run all the tests and you just seem to have a virus. So they sent me back home. A couple more weeks passed. And by that point, I was maxing out on ibuprofen just to get through the day. I was basically able to get to work, see the clients I needed to see, come home and collapse. That was it. That was my whole life. My kids were running around and I had no energy to play and I was only getting worse by the day. I went back to the doctor, sat on the table, showed him what I really looked like with no ibuprofen in me, and then I showed him some other symptoms in my body and I saw the expression on his face change. He went from feeling like I had a virus to thinking he knew what I had and they began to run other tests, taking x-rays of parts of my body that were seeming to do fine. And then they, were called, they called in an outside doctor to come look at the x-rays and to come take a look at me. And these are some of those things that you know things aren't going well. When the doctor has a surprise look on his face when he sees something on you. When the doctor's looking at an x-ray of a part of you that you didn't think was a problem and pointing to pieces with another doctor. When that doctor comes in and says, I've never seen this before in my whole career. When the doctor calls your home and uses his first name and leaves his cell phone to call back. And then when you hear the news that this is likely going to be it, this is likely what will lead to disability. It's pretty, pretty rough for somebody who felt like he was at the beginning of his career. I didn't feel like I'd gotten that far along. And suddenly I was realizing that everything can come to a standstill in a moment. Everything can come to a standstill and change because of some event, some moment, some illness, something that happens. And then I remembered the words of a cancer patient years and years ago when I was the chaplain on the oncology floor. This patient had gotten sicker and sicker in the time I was there and was clear that she was not going to make it. And She grabbed my arm and she looked me square in the eyes and said, don't waste it. And I looked at her, I said, I'm sorry, what? And she said, don't waste it. And I said, what are you talking about? And she said, your life, don't waste it. In that moment, I realized that there were some things that maybe I didn't feel like I'd wasted my life, but I hadn't really done what I wanted to. I had things I wanted to do in life. I had things that I wanted to have happen in my life that could not happen now if I were, was disabled. More than that, I couldn't be there for my family if I wasn't around. As time came on, I began to realize that there are some things that I wanted to continue working on. I wanted to finish some, some thoughts, some ideas. 
more than that, I wanted to be around to, to do something in, in my life, with my kid's life. And I wanted to be a part of the world longer. And so as I started to recover, and by the way, a doctor said, I think you're going to get better because I think you had an acute version of this illness, the chronic version would have led to disability, but the acute version just means you're going to be really, really sick for a while, but you'll get better. That doctor was right. The diagnosis, the original diagnosis was half right. The second doctor doctor diagnosed it right, and I did get better. And after that, I realized that I was on what I've referred to since then as bonus time. This is the time I didn't think I would have. It took almost a year for me to get to feel like I was even back to normal. We lost more than a year and a half of time in that illness. But as I was getting better, I was realizing that I had more and more things that I wanted to have done. But what I also realized is I had not taken good care of what needed to carry me through to the end. I realized that not only had I not been handling my stress well, And that, by the way, probably took down my immune system that overreacted and began to attack my own body. Also hadn't been fueling my body very well. (laughs) Felt like I was just putting junk into it to get it to run. Sometimes I was racing around so much with so little time that I just shoveled whatever I could in my mouth without thinking much about it. Without thinking that this was the fuel that both gave me energy in the day and nurtured my body or destroyed my body. I also realized that I hadn't taken care of it by exercising, that I'd let parts of my body decline. Our bodies really are about using it or losing it. Our physical life is based in using it or losing it. The muscles begin to deteriorate if they're not kept up. We begin to lose our capacities if we don't keep them up. And I realized that I had not done what I needed to do to take care of those pieces. When I had bonus time, I realized that I had some options at that point. I could continue just the way I was and probably get sick again of something else. And eventually, I would get to the end of whatever time I had left and say, wow, what what did I do with that time? It began to be a real issue for me that I realized that there are really two pieces to this puzzle. One is how long I could keep going, and two, how much I could do to make it worthwhile to keep going. Both of those pieces were important. I mean, if if there was something that I really thought was super, super important, would I trade it in for less time? Absolutely, if I felt like it would make a difference. But I wanted to be around as long as possible to do everything I could as much as possible to make an impact. One of the things that Stoic philosophy tells us is that we should always be mindful that we are mortal, that there is an end to this. It's interesting that in my therapy days, I've talked with a lot of people who became fixated on on fearing how they might die. I suggested they make a shift and think about the fact that they would die, that there's something inescapable about that process. We can't keep from from dying, but we can decide how we're going to live until then. And what makes it really important is when we realize that there is a then, that there is a point. Much of our lives are spent pretending like, you know, this is either either a dress rehearsal or will go on forever. And when we do that, we lose the opportunity of embracing the time we have and making sure that the time we have makes a difference in the world. The Stoics believe that if we were to contemplate the fact every day that we were able to face our death, 
that we would make decisions differently. If we realized that there was only a certain amount of time and we didn't know what it was, it could be today, it could be in an hour, it could be in a day, it could be in years and years, but at some point, that was it. What will we do differently? Now, that commercial raises a second question of not just what would we do differently in the time we have, but how do we make sure that time is as healthy as possible? How do we make sure that we do everything we can to keep going? As I've noticed, we, we walk around in this fog that nothing matters, that nothing we're doing on a daily basis matters. And I watch as people put things that science is pretty clear are poisons into their bodies and expose themselves to situations that are dangerous and push themselves in ways that are bad. And they do it because they're not clear that there's an end. <laughs> they do it because they have not remembered that there is something that makes a difference. Science is pretty clear about the fact that we can certainly improve our health and increase our longevity pretty simply. By avoiding just a few things in our lives, we change everything. They can tell us about junk food and sugar and, and alcohol and other addictive substances and, and taking risks. And they can tell us all about those things because that's the known facts. It's always true that something can sneak up on us. Something could be lurking just behind us that we can't stop. And the point is not to avoid that forever, but to make sure that in whatever time we have, that we make a difference. I truly believe that we as humans are unique in the world, that we get to choose how we make an impact. Animals make an impact, some impact on the environment, not a lot, but some impact on the environment. But we humans are impactful by our nature. We've built cities. We've destroyed environments. We've been able to move in the areas that seemed hospitable or inhospitable to people and made them hospitable. We've created inventions that transformed our experience of life. We humans are impactful creatures in ways that no other animal on this planet is. And that impact can be good or bad. The question is how we choose our impact and instead of just letting impact happen, how we choose that impact, how we choose to live our lives in impactful ways for those all around us to leave this place better when we do leave. So what we can affirm is that we will leave. That's not an option. The question is how long we can stay around by our own choices and behavior recognizing that there's always a possibility that something goes wrong that we can't prevent. But to prevent what we can so that we're as healthy as possible for as long as possible, so that we can make as much of a difference as possible. Our question is not just do we live, but can we fully live, which requires us to take care of that car, that one car that we have, that one vehicle we have to get us from here to there. So first thing is to take care of that vehicle that gets us from here to there. And the question is how we get to there, what the there is, how we want to be of difference. How can we live our best selves knowing that there is that expiration date? How do we choose to live our highest self, the part that makes a positive impact for those around us, the part that makes a difference in the world, in our family, in our own lives, while we do it in ways that 
preserve the vehicle for as long as possible. My illness woke me up. Now I'm fully aware of the things I need to do to take care of myself. Does that mean I do it 100%? No. Sometimes I put junk fuel into the system. Sometimes I don't take care of it as much as I could. Sometimes I take a little more risk than some might be comfortable with. Sometimes I don't take enough risk. But I've discovered that when I'm trying, the best I can do is to aim. And when I don't take care of myself, to choose a better method the next day. My second choice is to decide that I'm here to make some differences, to try to help people thrive as much as I can, to be supportive of those around me, to be loving towards my family, to make sure that I do everything to live from my place of character, from my place of ethics, to see that the world can be a better place when people choose to make it a better place and to be a part of that process. We all have an expiration date. And so the question for you and for me is what we do between here and there, how we take care of it so that that expiration date is as far out as possible. And in between here and there, there's much of a difference as we can make as possible, that the impact is huge. I hope this has been helpful for you. You may not be familiar with all of my story, but I recognize that all of us are looking for something else. So my question is always, how do we do more to make a difference in the world? Because that's what we're built for. I would love it if you would grab my material that can help you to thrive and find your way of making an impact in the world. I have two books now on that topic. One is Thrive Principles. You can learn about that by going to thethriveprinciples.com or just find it in your local bookstore, whether you're online or local. Uh, It should be there. If not, they can order it for you. My new book, The Immutable Laws of Living, is now out in ebook format, however you like ebooks, whether it's Kindle or Nook or some other format. Uh, iBook, it's available in those formats now. You can also learn more about that by going to theimmutablelawsofliving.com, theimmutablelawsofliving.com. Otherwise, I wish you the best as you continue to work to thrive in your life. listening to the Thrivology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T H R I V E O L O G Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Uh-huh.